your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, I thought I would go into a little bit of stuff for next season, specifically what should we expect from the Jets in the upcoming year? Because to be honest, I, I think a lot of us are kind of not really sure about what's going to happen, and I, I know I certainly don't really have any particular insight or clarity on what the NHL is planning to do. Are we getting divisional reorganizations? Are we going to have a whole lot of different stuff that really catches everyone off guard? Or maybe even at a higher level, are we even going to have a next season? I think the answer to that isn't really clear, and I think it's it's a question that is up for some debate. I think ultimately we will have an NHL season, but to be honest, it's still up in the air. It's a little bit hard to say. In all likelihood, it won't be like a normal NHL season because I think the NHL is going to have to make quite a few format changes to, uh, I don't want to say accommodate, but accommodate's probably the closest term I can think of, uh, especially when working around this whole situation with COVID and figuring out the best way to get players to and from these bubbles safely, to lock them in, and ultimately make sure that they prevent anyone from getting sick whether it's staff, players, members of the press, etc. From a strictly hockey perspective, though, what exactly would we expect from the Jets? And I think that there are a couple of main predictions that I'm going to have for this upcoming season, should it occur. Let's assume first off that, for the most part, things either stay the same in terms of the divisional organizations or, you know, a scenario where the Jets are now in an all-Canadian division that maybe does change things a little bit. Assuming the Central Division stays as is, I think Winnipeg would just slightly make the postseason picture. To be honest, I think what happens next season is the Jets will have a little bit of an uphill struggle trying to adapt to a younger defense and a squad that hasn't had as much ice time as it used to, especially with, you know, training and practice sessions likely canceled in a lot of areas, and a more convoluted off-season picture with the amount of restricted travel, the limited practices and training sessions, I don't even know what kind of training or preseason camps we're going to have heading into the season, and the impacts of quarantine on guys who haven't been training as much during their off-season, off-peak hours. With all of that tumultuous stuff going on in the background, I think the Jets are going to have a more serious problem trying to figure out how to get guys up to speed, especially as we head into next season. Because the defense is probably still going to be pretty rough around the edges, I think Winnipeg will manage to squeak in if Connor Hellebuck stays at his current level, or even, I don't think he can really get better, but if he does somehow improve, you know, obviously the Jets are looking pretty sturdy in terms of the guy in net who kind of carried them to a postseason spot in this past year. I'd also expect pretty big rebound seasons from players like Patrick Laine, who I think will actually go back to scoring plenty of goals because I, I think this this upcoming roster will hopefully get him into positions where, you know, the team is trying to show him off for either a trade partner 
or maybe they work something out and he ends up staying long term and, and commits to that vision and actually gets the kind of ice time and deployments that he's looking for. I know a lot of people will say, well, he's had one of the top ice times on the team, but when you look at who he's playing with, especially late in the season and the way that he's been deployed and who he's getting support from, you can tell that there's a clear preference for a guy like Kyle Connor, who I think his on-ice impacts aren't actually as good as Line's are. I do think that, you know, depending on what happens with Line next season, it could really shape what exactly the Jets do on things like the power play and ultimately at even strength. You know, this team has had issues scoring in certain areas, especially in creating consistent offense in part because they've spent so much time in their own defensive zone, and they've had trouble getting up the ice. Towards the end of the season, they got a little bit better and were roughly a break-even team in a lot of shot categories, but beyond that, I don't really know that this team is particularly great, especially with a sluggish defense. If the back line changes significantly and the Jets start to get a little bit more defensive depth and guys who can actually skate the puck up the ice, I do think you will notice a, a significant change in the way that Winnipeg is able to create at 5v5. Guys like Heinola and Sandberg would be very big contributors on a defense that just doesn't have a whole lot of mobility. Last year we saw guys like Lucas Abisa, Anthony Potato, and plenty of other depth defensemen struggle to get the puck out of their own end without just either heaving it down the ice where you would often get icing calls or trying to carry it out under pressure and instead turning it over near the walls, which is always a big problem for this team because, you know, the Jets defensively are, are a mess. They don't typically have the speed or organization to deal with issues when they turn the puck over in their own end, and oftentimes, if, if Hylobuck wasn't as sharp as he usually was, you know, it ended up in the back of the net. Or even when he was good, sometimes he just can't do anything about a really ugly situation from his own skaters. Sandberg and Heinola might change the math there a little bit, because I think both have particular skill sets that right now the Jets are lacking. If Sandberg and Heinola are both good at moving the puck up the ice and also defending the puck from opposing skaters, especially while under pressure, I think that gives the Jets a lot more versatility and movement. Both have also been consistent creators of offense, and right now Heinola is lighting up the Liga, you know, even if it is Finland, he's doing very well, he's dominating ice time, and he's starting to rack up points, and we also know that Dylan Sandberg, at the collegiate level, had a similar impact. I don't think he was quite as dominant, but Sandberg is a big kid, he's got a big shot, I think he's got good vision and passing instincts, and he's pretty mobile on his feet, so... I think these guys together could be a, a very important duo for this team. Obviously, I think you split them into different pairings depending on you know their level of experience and really just trying to give your defense a lot more options. I'd be curious to know if like a Morrissey-Sandberg top pairing would work. I think that you have a guy like Sandberg who might be closer to like a Jacob Truba style of player, which maybe Josh Morrissey really needs. It's clear Morrissey was not capable of being the number one D, especially with the increase in quality of competition and the time on ice without a guy next to him who was as, as assertive and dominant on the puck as Truba was. And I think that impact went both ways. You know, Josh Morrissey being more like a safety valve for a really aggressive D like Truba, you know, apart from him, Truba started to struggle notice, noticeably and didn't really have that guy that he could rely on to help him out in sticky situations. Maybe bringing in a guy like Sandberg next to Morrissey is exactly what you need. Somebody who's physically strong, who's very offensively aggressive and can make those deep cutting skates uh, down down the wing where he can kind of create offense near the goal line and from behind the net and, and really can just let Josh be kind of a, uh, a secondary piece who sits a little bit uh, further up the ice and can kind of drop down and support when he feels like there's an offensive opportunity but otherwise serves as more of a defensive valve. 
getting that pressure off of Morrissey's shoulders, I think would do wonders for his confidence and maybe helps him stay a little bit healthier and keeps him more involved in the game in a way that's not really showing his weaknesses. We focused a lot on the defense in this portion of the preview, but up next we'll take a little bit more of a look at the offense and what we might expect from guys like, you know, Mark Shifley, Nick Ehlers, Kyle Connor, and even potentially Cole Perfetti. But before then, I thought you should know a little bit more about Bill Go. When you wake up every day, what do you feel? Do you feel groggy, tired, or like you have all these walls around you getting between you and what you need to do? That's how I feel every morning, and when I need to kick down those walls and get my day started, I turn to Bilt Go. Bilt Go is the natural and healthy, delicious-tasting alternative to the 5-hour energy crash and all of the sugary, bad-for-you energy drinks. It comes in 1.5-ounce packages that you can conveniently store in your briefcase, your backpack, or any carrying device you need to get your day going. You can enjoy Bilt Go in three delicious flavors, including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. As good as they taste, they're even better for you. Fortified with collagen protein, beta alanine, B3, honey, a kick of caffeine, B6, and B12, so you have energy all day, every day. Built Go is also perfect for pre-workouts, giving you the protein and energy boost you need to power through your workout sets. If you're ready to give Bilko a try, visit Bilko.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilko.com. Let's go! Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. On this episode, we are previewing some of what may lie ahead for the Winnipeg Jets, and we've talked a little bit about what Winnipeg's defense might look like, but we also have to think about how the forwards might be aligned and what we might expect from the Jets attackers, or rather, what I would like to see from Winnipeg's attackers. I think there are a couple of key players that really need to step up this upcoming season and really fulfill their potential, and I feel like Mark Shifley, for me, is one of the biggest questions. A couple of years ago, Shifley was at his peak. He was a dominant two-way force. He was incredibly effective at even strength. He was a power play monster. There's basically nothing that Shifley couldn't do, but over the past couple of years, he's sort of fallen off, and it's especially noticeable in the way that he's he's now basically becoming a shooter, less of a playmaker, and defensively, he's kind of a train wreck. What this means going forward is that Winnipeg may need to kind of figure out the best way to deploy him and whether or not that means putting him with a lot of even strength minutes or not. I think the Jets need to make better use of his skill sets. Rather than him being like a point lead shooter, have him be your catalyst and primary play driver. I I think that there's a version of Mark Shifley that gets closer to where he was a few seasons ago, even if he's never going to reach those peak heights again. I don't think he needs to be defensively dominant, but I do think he needs to be separated from Kyle Connor because you have two guys who have now become shoot-first mindset players, and I think that that doesn't really work when you've got guys who need to be a little, a little bit more effective at either backtracking or maintaining defensive shape inside their own zone. It's also a bit of a problem because Kyle Connor should be the shooter if he's going to be playing with Mark Shifley. As much as I enjoy Shifley scoring goals, I think what he's best at doing is creating space and setting up his linemates for those tap-ins. Doing so often opens up more space for Shifley to do his own thing and score his own goals, so I I think it's not necessarily that he should be focusing only on passing. I think the goal scoring will come naturally as he's allowed to just essentially dictate the pace and control the game. Him, as less of an active participant, is actively hurting the Jets, and I feel like, you know, despite the great even-strength scoring rates that he still produces, there's another level to his game that we still need to see him back to. From Wheeler, I definitely want to see him, I don't know how we're going to get to this point, but he needs to be a little bit more actively involved in the 5v5 offense. I think Wheeler is definitely aging and slowing down, which is understandable. He is, like, 34 now. And so, obviously, the best days of his, you know, offensive rushes and 5v5 breakouts are probably over with, but that doesn't mean that he still can't be an effective attacking forward, and I think that that is something that we haven't seen as much from him as of late. When he's out there, he's definitely not got that first step acceleration that he used to have, and he doesn't really 
really have as explosive of a stride either. So oftentimes it feels more like he's like a third defender rather than an, an active attacker. It's not that he can't create offense and score goals and, and set up passes, but I'm just not seeing as much from him as we used to see. You know, he's not really leading and captaining solo efforts as much, which is fine. He doesn't have to do that all the time, but it would be nice to see him be a bit stronger on the puck and create more offensive opportunities. That part of his game has definitely declined, and if the Jets want to keep running him out with top six minutes, he's going to have to be able to keep up, and I'm not sure if that's really going to be possible. He does probably need to have his minutes reduced, and I think, you know, a second-line role for him probably makes a little more sense. As far as Ehlers is concerned, I don't really need to see anything more from him. I, I think Nick has been absolutely dominant. He just needs to keep on keeping on and, and keep creating space and attacking nice angles, skating around the offensive zone with a lot of speed to set up uh, you know, open shooting lanes and passing lanes. Really nothing to say as far as Ehlers is concerned. Uh, as far as what I want from Paul Stastny, I think I, I expect him to be immediately dominant at 5v5 alongside a couple of really gifted wingers. He doesn't have to be somebody who controls the game like he did a couple of seasons ago, but he does need to be a really good facilitator. In like second line or middle six minutes, I think Stastny's going to do fine. He's been fantastic for us in the past. I think he's been pretty good for Vegas when he's been healthy. He's got the vision. He's got the two-way smarts. He has the spatial awareness. He's going to be fine playing alongside some really gifted wingers, and if they pair with Patrick Laine again, I mean, the sky's obviously the limit. Line A and the power play have both needed somebody who can feed them at, you know, even strength and from different points around the offensive zone. You know, it's the same situation whether you're playing on the power play or at even strength as far as guys not really using line A as much as they should. Or when they do use him, they don't use him in the right way because he's not getting passes fast enough. I think Stastny is going to solve a lot of those problems, and if he plays that bumper role on the power play again, I think it's going to be a much, you know, faster, more involved 5v4 situation where you're going to have more Patrick Laine goals you can have more Shifley goals. Everyone can pretty much benefit from having, you know, Paul Stastny back in the fold. This is a guy who is a savvy veteran and who's been a lead catalyst and creator for many of the teams he's been on. While he definitely has slowed down and ages catching up a bit, he's still very effective at what he does, and I expect a pretty big season from him. The last guy I'll touch on is going to be Cole Perfetti, and I think Perfetti is somebody who is, is going to be a really interesting prospect to track, especially if he makes this this team out of camp. I think Perfetti is going to need to have limited minutes at first because I don't know if he's going to be immediately comfortable handling like a third line center duty. He may need to have his minutes limited early, especially dealing with some, you know, uh, I think difficult competition. I mean, what he's doing is he's jumping from a junior league to a pro league with a significant absence from hockey in between. Right now, he's with the Team Canada training camp, but obviously this is not quite the same as stepping up to the NHL, so... I think there will be growing pains with him. You know, he's still working on adding more strength to his frame. He wants to increase his skating stride, but I would say probably 30 to 40 games in, we're going to see him start to be a bit more comfortable. I think he's got the brain for it. I think he's got the vision and distribution and an amazing release. And it's not like he hasn't been trying to improve on uh, some of the deficiencies in his game previously. He's been trying to strengthen and bulk up and get faster throughout the offseason. I don't anticipate that he's going to be like a lead caller favorite next season, but I do think he's going to have a really nice debut and he's going to be a very good stabilizing force for this bottom six. We haven't had somebody anchoring this middle six unit with as much talent as, as Perfetti clearly has. We potentially have only a few months more to wait until he actually makes his NHL debut, so in this time, I, I think we're going to have to just kind of wait it out and see what he does with Team Canada. Hopefully, the stuff that he's been working on shows itself and he's able to start to dictate pace with uh, with whichever Team Canada squad he's going to be selected for, but 
uh, obviously the most important thing is how does he handle the NHL level, and I think we're going to see a pretty good player coming into the league next season. I've discussed all these players in the context of everything remaining roughly the same as it was over this past season and divisions not changing, but up next we'll explore what happens if the NHL changes things around and we get a shortened schedule as well as reoriented divisions. Before then, I wanted to tell you a bit about Built Bar's recent relaunch. If you are a longtime listener of this podcast, you know I love Built Bars. I've had a lot of protein bars over the past couple of years, and I've had all sorts of brands and varieties, and few have impressed me as much as Built Bar. If you've never had a Built Bar, it's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. To get a good feel for the flavors, I highly recommend of the 12 original flavors to try the mint brownie and the raspberry. But feel free to try the variety box if you can't make a decision. There's always great flavors to explore, and all of the 12 original ones are great. Like any great company, though, Built isn't content to rest on its laurels, and is back and better than ever with a brand new Built Bar including six new flavors like Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. While those may make your mouth water, you might be wondering if you have any guilt after eating one, but the best news is Built Bar is excellent for you. Built Bars clock in at around 200 calories or less, around 5 grams of net carbs, and between 15 to 19 grams of protein. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To get started with Built Bar, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We have talked a little bit about what I think might happen for the Jets next season, but obviously things are are likely to change, and I think the structure of the NHL is going to have a huge play in what exactly the Jets are able to accomplish. If, in fact, the entire uh, NHL reorganizes and we see like a new division as in a, uh, an all-Canadian division, obviously the Jets are going to have very different competition than playing with the Central. A lot of the Canadian teams play a really frenetic 5v5 offensive pace, which I think is is not exactly something that the Jets have always been comfortable doing. You know, teams like Montreal may have limited scoring talent, but when it comes to even strength play, those teams are an absolute pest. Likewise, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs can be very effective. They've got plenty of top-end scorers, and their depth players are pretty decent. I wouldn't say, like, this this squad is the best team in the league, but generally speaking, the Leafs are going to be a, a bit of a nasty team. The only hope is that Toronto's defense and goaltending end up being a little bit of an issue for them going forward. I don't know that it will, but there's always a chance. The positive news is that after Toronto and, uh, you know, obviously the uh, the Habs, I don't know that there are too many teams that I would be t- particularly concerned about. Vancouver is probably an okay squad, but not a team that I think is going to be consistently strong over the next season. Calgary is another team that I'm not particularly worried about. I know people will say, well, they beat us in the postseason, but obviously we did that without Mark Shifley, and I, th- I think a lot of that kind of came down to the Jets just being really bad and having not a great defense, as well as some unfortunate injuries that kind of wrecked their entire postseason picture. In a lot of those games, I think the Jets were actually pretty competitive and at times the better team, so I wouldn't be super worried about them having to try and, and win standings points against this Flames team. I think as far as Ottawa is concerned, the Sens are not really a big concern. Obviously, weird things happen in small sample sizes in the Jets. They've actually lost pretty embarrassing games to Ottawa, but I don't anticipate that being a particular problem next season. I do think that it would actually be easier for the Jets to make the playoffs in an all-Canada structure because there aren't too many Canadian teams that I think are going to be pacing pretty highly. You know, a lot of the teams that are, are in the uh, Canadian division would be coming from the Pacific, and that's that's been historically, over the past couple of seasons, a, a lower scoring race than what we see with like the Central Division and some of the other major big hitters. 
you might worry a little bit about Toronto and Montreal, but obviously the Habs have their own inconsistencies and issues, so it's not like they are a guaranteed lock for a postseason spot. Toronto's probably a lock. There aren't too many teams that I would see knocking them off, but the rest of the field I, I don't think is too strong. Things will get a little bit hectic, though, if we have a shortened season, because it suddenly becomes a little bit more of a sprint, and the Jets are going to have to really pull together and try and win as many games as humanly possible. Obviously, you want to do that throughout the regular season anyways, but in a shortened schedule where you're basically afforded a smaller margin of error, this might not be great for the Jets. Winnipeg is going to have to hope that its goaltending bails them out again because I'm not sure if the defense is going to be strong enough to sustain an entire season no matter how long it is. I do think the Jets will be better than they were over this past season, but I don't know by how much and it's really hard to set expectations, especially during the COVID era. While I frankly have no idea what to expect with the Jets next season, maybe you do, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco or our podcast Twitter handle at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets and tell me if I'm sounding crazy or if you think the Jets are going to be really great really terrible or just sort of average like they were over the past couple of years that's going to wrap up tonight's episode though thanks so much for listening before you log off be sure to check out the locked on national podcast hosted by sarah Evan Pato. as always thanks so much have a great night and go jets go